episode 15 of Pop with Ken Mills and Courtney Dold. Pop culture icon Robbie Rist from the Brady Bunch, Battlestar Galactica, Chips, Mary Tyler Moore, and Sharknado and so much more. Hello and welcome to this episode of POP. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. Before we get started, we'd like to take a moment and dedicate this episode to the passing of Tom Petty. Thank you for being part of my record collection and everybody else that's listening here, being part of our pop culture lexicon, from your solo work to your music with the Heartbreakers to the Traveling Wilburys. Thank you for never backing down and for giving us some great tunes. We will miss you, Tom. Today on POP, Courtney and I will be joined by Robbie Rist. He's a man who is a linchpin at so much of the 70s pop culture and has continued to be part of pop culture from his work on The Bionic Woman to The Brady Bunch to Sharknado to The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and even his work as Dr. McStuffin. There is so much to talk about. So without further ado, let's welcome Robbie Rist to pop we're going to have you do a this is robbie wrist and you're listening to pop a pop culture podcast hi this is robbie wrist and you are listening to pop a pop culture podcast can you do it as michelangelo yeah sure hey everybody michelangelo teenage mutant ninja turtle you're listening to pop a pop culture podcast <laughs> <laughs> very good this way how about this one uh, hi everybody, this is Stuffy, and you're listening to POP, a pop culture podcast that has much pod in its casting. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was great. Thank you very much, brother. I Ooh, appreciate it. And now we welcome to the POP show, to the POP table here, Robbie Rist. Welcome this, this to is POP. The, this, is the, this is the POP table? Yeah, this is the big table where we do round tables and just hang now, out. Now, mind you, mind you, I come from a world of power pop. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just want to warn you that, you know, if this is the POP table, I may have to move because no one likes the POP people. That's right. No, this is the power pop table. We're the power pop people. Oh, I'm going to have to move then because, <laughs> you know, I've, I, I hung out with you people and, and I got stuffed into a trash can. No, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> now, Robbie, so, you have some exciting news. You are part of Sharknado and Sharknado 5, and you're also part of the music of it. Can you tell us about Quint and what that is all about and where it can be found? Sure. Uh, Quint is... Uh, Really, Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado, and myself writing songs in different genres and stuff. And uh, we've had songs in, you know, all the movies. And, uh, uh, yeah, we, oh, we licensed the the theme song to a a one-armed bandit company. Yes! Oh, cool. (laughs) Anyway, yes, Quint is available on iTunes. Oh, there's a Sharknado slot machine? Yes. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Very exciting. But yes, Quint is available on iTunes. Uh, just find them. And it's all just a... I got so much stuff out there. Just find my name and listen and then contact me and tell me what you think. Well, I understand you're involved in a lot of music and we'll be having you play some live stuff and we'll be playing some stuff from some Quint during this episode. We look forward to Lovely. This. I can't wait. Very good. 
So, Robbie, you you have such a resume, and it goes back through pop culture in so many ways. I mean, I, first we need to get the necessary thing out of the way, right? You were Cousin uh, Oliver. For anybody yeah. who didn't know, you were on the Brady Bunch. You were yeah, Cousin Oliver. Yeah. T- tell us all about that. How, how did that come to be, and how did it all come to an end? Uh, well, um, I think... The way the history goes, that I know it anyway, is that the the Schwartz family, the producers, they wanted out. They were, you know, they're like, look, it's a top ten show. We've gone five years. We can put it in syndication tomorrow. Why don't we just go out on top? Uh-huh. And the uh, network went, but since the kids are getting a little older, maybe we could just add a new kid. And uh, that would make the show go a little longer. We could all make a little more money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the shorts went, eh, you know, why don't we just go out while we're on top? And the network went, what about the money? And then they went, why don't we go out on top? And finally, they went, fine, we'll put the kid in. <laughs> and then it really didn't do what it was supposed to do. And and it kind of it, it kind of left with a whimper, really. It didn't, uh, you know, it didn't go out with there's no there's no final episode. I mean, it just kind of faded away, and. Uh, and then after that, I mean, you know, it was a popular show in its time, but really where the Brady Bunch became what we know today, it was maybe like five years after the syndication mm-hmm. started, when yeah. it was on television three times a day in every market, before school, after school, and after dinner. That's and so when there, I watched it, after right, school, yeah. Right, and there were kids that saw these episodes five, six, seven, ten, twelve, fifteen times. Because I mean, and it's it's and it's across all uh, all boundaries. It's all it doesn't matter color or how rich you are or like it doesn't matter. There there is a whole now. It's like every seven years, there's a new generation of people that discover it. It's really crazy, and it became this. First, it was a you know this. I mean, now it's known for its kitschiness, but when it was on, it really wasn't known for that. It was actually you know I always talk about the. The, the, the birth of the era of irony. Mm-hmm. Irony, that all started the minute Bill Murray looked in the camera and went, Star Wars, <laughs> those near and far wars. When he did that, it, like when he started looking right at the camera as if to say to us, the audience, can you believe how ridiculous all of this is? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everything became super snarky for the next 30 or so, 20 years, up until 9-11. Everything got super snarky. And because of that, when people hooked onto the Brady Bunch thing, they they kind of they kind of latched onto the the, the 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 kitschiness of it, you know. Rather than when it was on, it was actually uh, you know kind of some good morality play stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, there was always like a, I mean that's what it was like. I, obviously at first it was like the family has an issue and then it's solved and then and then dad comes in and and explains why. Right. And then and then later it became just it became fun it became calm i have two friends that i grew up with that are obsessed with the brady bunch and they're going to be thrilled to hear this podcast today by the way <laughs> uh-huh. and they love it they know every word of every episode and they quote it you yeah, know yeah sure and- no i mean the people who are into it i mean you know uh, what used to be considered borderline behavior has become kind of <laughs> kind of well uh, i'll explain that better yeah but but at a certain time if you were a fan 
of something. Like if you were a monkeys person or if you were we're a Bob Sherman person, yes. if you were a, you know, if you were anything like that, you were kind of looked at to an extent with derision. I mean, if you look at what happened with the Trekkers and they kind of start this era of it being okay to be an Uber fan. Uh-huh. And so now there are as a whole, there's whole generations of people that are as big as monkeys fans are. There are Brady fans like that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Conventions and, still some and everything. Bob Sherman fans. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird because I remember watching you and I was about your age. I'm 63. I'm a little bit older than you. Nine, huh? I, I, hold on. You're not 63. No, no. I was born yeah, in... Sh- nine, you know what? No, take it, man. Let, I say we should all get old because apparently the young people are too dumb to know what to do with what's going to happen next. I know. They're going to ruin the earth. <laughs> they're going to destroy earth. It's happening. Yeah, they'll, they'll, have a, they'll have a big screen TV while they do. Yeah. High def after all while they do it in 3d but i i was born in 1963 so i remember you being on the show was was like if kind of i was on that show you know what i'm saying you were like you i i I was i was identifying with you in a way and i i always wondered which one of those three girls does robbie dig the most well but i was nine so it would have to be the youngest one right yeah you know, I mean, I always kind of had a thing for Susan anyway, and, you know, probably on a certain level still do, you know, I was of that age. You know? mm-hmm. And also Susan was hilarious. Susan was easily the funniest of the three and the, the most clever. And, you know, I, I have a, I have certain chunks of me that are planted by her. You know, there, I have a, I have a love of Tom Lehrer and, uh, and, uh, you know, more overarching way, Dr. Demento. And mm-hmm. that was totally planted by her. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of people who do not get this kind of honor. And some people may look at it as an honor and some people may not. Like, for example, there's the saying, jump the shark, right? We yeah. all know that, that thing. You gave rise to the term Cousin Oliver Syndrome, where a show know, would crazy. just add a kid. How does it feel to be like that much of a, of a huge footnote in pop culture? Because that's, that's a serious thing. It has nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah, really, it's what it is. It has nothing to do with me. It's this character that people saw on television and they sort of adopted their own, their own, their own importance, whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, they, they kind of adapted it to their own purposes. But really, it has, you know, it has nothing to do with me. It's kind of funny that something that I was on, <laughs> uh, I kind of uh, try to sell myself uh, as, if you put me in your thing, Mm-hmm. The opportunity for that thing to hit some sort of weird iconic status increases apparently because it's happened more than once. Right. Mm-hmm. So it happened with Brady's. It happened with Turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know this this jumping the shark thing and the add a kid thing. Uh, by the way, which is it isn't even true because really the add a kid thing really starts with the Lucy show. Yes. Yes. So, so, and, and even the Oliver look thing, that's, you know, come on, Froggy was rocking that look in the third. <laughs> that's you know. true. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a new archetype. I think the thing, reason the thing sticks around so much is, you know, John Denver was around at the time, mm-hmm. you know, there were a lot of, you know, that sort of look that I had at the time sort of came to, came to fruition at a time when it was happening for other people as well. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. You know, where where are any guys wearing round glasses with bowl haircuts on television or music anymore? There yeah. are none. I'm trying to bring it back myself, but uh, I think it's a good idea. Sure, yeah, let's I think do they it. should all. Co- you know, look, they brought. You know, everybody's got a beard now. Everyone looks like a lumberjack. <laughs> <That's> a look. <laughs> it's so true. It's like a revenge of the beards. It's everywhere. Yeah, well, I, I think what happened is that if you look at footage of say people in a in a rock club in the like '63. You know, it's like the who or whatever, right? And everyone's dressed in suits and they all look like they could be 30 when they're really like 21, something like that. And and then you go, a li- and it's because those kids had to grow up because they're the babies of World War II. Well, the next generation of kids, if you look at Woodstock, they start looking younger. They mm-hmm. don't look at, like the 21-year-olds look like they're a slightly younger person. And now I look at my yearbook from 1982 and people really look like children and now i have nieces that are in their 30s who do not look like they're in their 30s now it seems to me that the generation just under them kind of got sick of this whole hang on to your youth thing and now they're aiming at looking as if they're more mature mm-hmm. hmm. Very i think true. we just bounced off the bottom of, of a trend you might be on to something. I, yeah. I, I spent a lot of time in the car alone. <laughs> yeah, everyone does in L.A. Just yeah. you get anywhere yeah. you're in the car. And this, is where, and this is where it just kind of pops in there. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'll tell you about my uh, death of innocence for all of the Sid and Marty Croft shows eventually. But whatever. Sounds good. Now, <laughs> now, you were talking about how if someone puts you in something even a modern day thing they get all that gravitas and all that experience and all the uh, well, pop no, culture I, I love experience because it happened with the brady bunch it has nothing to do with experience for some reason if you put me in your thing it's going to become iconic well, right. it may not but it stands a better chance of it because i'm in it apparently but in 2013 you portrayed robbie the bus driver in the camp horror film sharknado i rest my case exactly and that's become a huge monster get it get it of, 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 a, of a franchise who would have thought sure. that would have happened yeah that's, that's exactly what i'm saying put me in your thing if there's any aspiring filmmakers out there who want to you know you're gonna have to pay me but you know i'll be in your thing and you know who knows you who you, you, you'll be famous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah the sharknado thing was funny because you know I've, I've known anthony the director since you know we were younger i, I think I probably met him when he was in his early 20s and mm-hmm. you know he was already making movies back then and uh, and through the years, you know, I've kind of helped him out with music and stuff like that. And so I, I was doing I was helping him with the soundtrack to uh, another Asylum movie because the Asylum who makes the Sharknado films, they do these sort of shark movies, but mm-hmm. also they do low budget knockoffs of popular films. Mm-hmm. So when Battleship came out, they made American Battleships. And uh, so Anthony and I were working on uh, their Hansel and Gretel movie when he told me that uh, he got offered the opportunity to direct Sharknado and I knew about that it was coming up because I had gone to a a film uh, distribution convention in Santa Monica a few weeks before and at the asylum booth they had a big old banner that said Sharknado enough said and uh, (laughs) and and I went I went wait I'm a genre nut by the way I like B movies and all this Mm -hmm. stuff so I'm like wait a minute wait a minute is this a movie a disaster movie about a tornado that has sharks in it. And the nine-year-old me 
squealed like a little girl. It was just, I couldn't believe how funny of an idea that was and how outrageously fun. And this is, you know, so a couple of weeks later, I'm working with Anthony and he goes, yeah, they offered me this movie Sharknado. And it's a little embarrassing to say at this point, but I quite literally leaped out of my chair, grabbed him by the lapels and said, look, I don't know why I'm about to tell you this, but you have to make this movie. And he, 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 was, he goes, okay, get your hands off my shirt. I went, oh, sorry. <laughs> and I, I went and I sat back down and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm totally sorry. I don't know why, but there's something about the name of it and just how high concept this whole thing is. If, if I'm the only person you're asking, you should do this. I don't think he did it because I told him to, but I will say I'm in it and it's iconic. I don't know. It's probably nothing. Nothing. No, no, I love that you. I love the cast. I love that John Hurd is in it, which is so yeah. cool. And my oh. friend Julie McCullough. I've done comedy with Julie for years, and she's great. And she's Julie's in it. Awesome. I've seen her do comedy too. I'm a really big fan of hers, actually. Yeah, Julie's great. And um, Julie played. Um, you might remember Ken. She was um, Kurt Cameron's girlfriend on fa- um, the, the the one that was the crappy family dies. <laughs> the crappy <laughs> family. <laughs> growing pain. Yes, growing pain. pain. Yes. Show me that smile again, Courtney. I know. <laughs> and that was a good theme song. But yeah, Julie, I love the cast of it. Like, I, I think everyone's good. Yeah, and- yeah I, I mean, and really, Anthony, the crazy thing about the Sharknado movies is the first Sharknado film was made for a little under a million dollars. Amazing. And Anthony has this ability to, he's truly out of the James Cameron school. And I'm not... I'm not underselling this. I understand that he has this sort of view of, oh, he's the Sharknado guy. But, you know, I heard a story once that when James Cameron was working on Terminator, the the little press that kills the robot at the end, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, um, (laughs) doesn't exist in the real world. So he stayed up all night the night before making that press out of foam core. Mm. This is what, this is how Anthony thinks This is how he creates. Anthony can make something out of nothing. And there is no more proof than that than these Sharknado movies because they are in classic low budget fashion. He gets hamstrung all of the, you know, I mean, I talked to him while we're doing the music. You know, he gets hamstrung all of the time. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. You now have two less days to shoot this in. He shot, he shot two in 15 days. I mean, it's just. Two Sharknado films? No, they shot. No, he Number, shot Sharknado Part Two. Yeah. Oh, Sharknado Part Two. I know yeah. it's it's unbelievable that it just it, it's only been like four years since the first one, and yeah. there's already five. Oh yeah, it's five of them, and he it's and amazing. he continues. And you know he tweaks the scripts and all of that stuff. I mean, the last one, I don't know if you saw Sharknado Five, but it's hilarious. It is so outrageous. He keeps just upping the ante and upping the ante, and it just gets more and more ridiculous. It's amazing. Uh, now uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren is Ian Ziering's son. <laughs> it's just... How is that possible? You, if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I it's can't great. wait, though. Yeah, they're very funny. But it, it's it's absolutely mind-blowing, and like you said, the more bizarre that it gets, the the, the bigger it gets families get together in groups and i mean i was on twitter you know going through the live you know what people tweet while they're watching it now Mm -hmm. and one guy wrote uh, you know good dad job of the day or something your daughter asks if you guys can watch sharknado 5 together (laughs) 
you know, and I, yeah, I mean, and there was a ton of that on there. And I mean, granted, these movies are not for, they're for the nine-year-old that squeals like a little girl in all of us. Mm-hmm. Sure, and I love that people are asking to be in the Sharknado films. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like everyone wants to be a part of it. I'm curious, how did you get involved with scoring the film? Well, I don't score or, them. Or do well, the yeah, music, what, what, sorry. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Anthony and I have been doing the music for his films, the, these little song things mm-hmm. for his films uh, for like, I mean, decades now. And so uh, Anthony, aside from, you know, I really hope one day the industry wakes up to this guy. But uh, aside from his really being great at a director, and I know he's my friend and all, but it's true. Anyway, uh, he, he also is a musician. And um, for him, you know, music is this escape for him. So uh, he knows that in the Sharknado films and all the Asylum stuff, if he gets, uh, you know, for his, if for his soundtrack, if he's like, man, there's this Aerosmith song that would fit so good in there, but they don't have the $150,000 to pay for an Aerosmith song. Right. So he calls me up and says, hey, you know, let's get together and write something that's that that fits this way is as similar as we can without actually rewriting the song. So my job with him is kind of that, you know, again, he's like, he has all these crazy ideas and I've ended up in the last five movies writing songs about things that I've never, you know, I've, I, we, we wrote a song for four called we're not in Kansas anymore. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's the Wizard of Oz told from the perspective of Dorothy if she was like a, a violent video game character. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Or at least she's like, a, like, how about this? Just told more from a, from a superheroine standpoint. Ooh, can we play that? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. All right, excellent.
So, but I mean, there's so I'm writing all of these crazy songs about things that I never would have necessarily put those elements together had it not been for him. It's just another thing the guy could do pretty well. Right. Now, you have been a part of so many things in pop culture, and I'm just going to kind of do a little bit of your resume, okay? All right. This is, to me, mind-blowing, because while you were doing this on TV, I was at home watching. So, (laughs) you starred in in the Saturday morning comedy, Big John and Little John. Oddly enough, you're typecast as Little John in this. (laughs) That's because they never saw me naked. Boom! (laughs) Hey-oh! You also were in the short-lived Sanford and Son spinoff, Grady. Yep. I mean, come on. You can't get much more pop culture than that. I'm in one of the best What's Happening episodes. Yes. The one where Dee gets to be on a commercial. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is, aside from... The Doobie uh, Brothers one? I, I No, no. I always oh. confuse. I want to call him Larry White or David Tate. It's David White who played Larry Tate. Mm-hmm. Okay. David White. Yes. Dick Van Patten. Uh, who else is on the show? Well, and then uh, 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 Dee Spencer. Is that her last name, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Dee Spencer and, uh, uh, and I have a, have a couple of exchanges. I always say that, that she is one of the unsung comic geniuses of the 70s, and nobody's ever going to give her the credit she deserves because she was 12. Right. But she was she, hilarious. She was a master of the hand grenade joke. She would say a joke, and a second or two would go by, and you'd go, oh, shit, that's funny. <laughs> like, you know, I, which to me is like way better than popping someone in the mouth, you know, yeah. sneaking up on them. That's the way to go. Yeah, I did a lot of really, uh, you know, I mean, there's a ton of stuff in there that I'm super proud of. You, you know, were, I'm on Doc McStuffins right now. I'm on this Disney Junior cartoon. Yeah, um, which is amazing. And it's, uh, well, again, you know, that, that family thing. You know, I don't, I don't have kids. So, mm-hmm. but it's so funny that for a guy who doesn't have kids, all of these things like I was talking about the Sharknado thing yesterday and Doc McStuffins is I really like them and, and I really hope they end up with things that make them happy you know mm-hmm. and, and make their lives a little better and Doc McStuffins has it, it it's actually it, it sounds dumb but it's actually changed things a little bit and I'll tell you why I just got, and I get, you know, I get stories. I get, you know, people send me Facebook messages and stuff about just things having to do with things that I've been on, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a woman I know uh, runs a, uh, a preschool. And one of the kids in the preschool, this little boy, falls down and starts crying. A little two-year-old girl walks up to him and puts her arm around his shoulders and said, okay, first thing you have to do is you have to stop crying so we know what's wrong with you. And she, she said, what happened? He's like, I fell down. She goes to the teacher. She goes, I think I need ice. Mm. And so all of this goes on. And the parents are like, what the, how is that, what is going on here? And they, the, the, the teacher is like, how did you know about this stuff? She knew it from watching the show. She's two. Mm. That is, I mean, it's beautiful. It's an amazing thing. Um, I've heard stories about the, uh, the, the, the people that are in the costumes at Disneyland mm-hmm. um, going up to, like, kids in wheelchairs who are unresponsive to everyday stimulus, and they see her and they wake up. I mean, it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I keep getting in these things that are really awesome, you know? Well, Stuffy's doing good work. Stuffy's doing good work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes, one one pratfall at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's great. It is so cool to be involved in this stuff. And you know, we have to talk about you being a turtle. Yeah, yeah, sure. You were one of the teenage mutant ninja turtles. You were Michelangelo in the, in the, in the movies. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, it started as a cartoon. You know, I mean the. I mean, if you really think about it, the the the, the OG Michelangelo, the proto Michelangelo, is Townsend mm-hmm. Coleman, who is who is the voice of the Tick on the uh, cartoon. Yes, uh, he's he's such a talented dude. Yeah, I mean, it kind of started with him, but the movies again. I don't know. The movies seem to hit the zeitgeist so hard that uh, you know there were kids beating up the furniture all for that two years after that movie came out. Yeah. It still it still sticks around. It still has legs. It's over twenty years old. It's going to be thirty years old in five years. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just that's unbelievable. That's 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 Wizard of Oz numbers. It is. You know C- what I mean? There was a period in history where people were like, "God, it's been thirty years. The Wizard of Oz is still around." Well, so is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, and they keep making them too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there's always a new thing. I'm on the new cartoon. Also, I play a different character. But I mean, the the I think the idea it's kind of like the Brady Bunch thing in a way. The idea is so it it just if you're a certain age, if you're between the ages of six and ten and you get a dose of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in any form, mm-hmm. I think it's transformative. Somehow, there, there are guys now that are in their 30s that are showing it to their kids, as again, as a bonding thing. As a, you know, mm-hmm. It's like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or whatever. It's pretty great. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I keep tripping over my tail you know, into these things that people still want to talk about years after they're done. And you're and you also have a career in music as well, which yes. is which is amazing. I've seen your I used to go see your band Nice Guy Eddie cuz I'm good friends with Dave Shalansky. Oh my gosh, Shalansky. Yes, yeah. who is the drummer for Nice Guy Eddie and that those were fun shows. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. no, I missed I missed Dave and that band terribly. The singer Chris and I have a podcast of our own called The Spoon that's a uh, on every Wednesday, tmvcafe.com um, at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I still <laughs> talk to Dave, you know, with some frequency anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, this little girl is getting done. I think she's driving now. I think I she's know. driving. No, she's, yeah, she's like two, <laughs> but yeah, he moved to New York. That's why, yeah. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I've been playing music concurrently with acting the entire time. I mean, I was playing violin at three. So you know, I've kind of, while I was acting, you know, acting is not a 24 hour a day job. Right. You're, you know, when you're not looking, there's downtime. Mm-hmm. So, and what I learned as a person of my very specific, shall we say, energy level is it's probably good to fill that time with something productive rather than something not productive. Yeah. So, I, so I just basically at a certain point just kind of locked myself in my room when I wasn't working and just played along to records, you know. I, well, a- I can play every note of rock and roll over. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's very cool. That is awesome. Could you do me a favor? And I, I see you have your guitar here. Could you play us a, a song? I'd love to hear you do Go All the Way, the, the old Raspberries tune. Think you could do no, that for yeah, us? Yeah, sure. No problem. It's, uh, it's, on my, it's in my top five. All right, well, welcome to the pop stage, ladies and gentlemen, Robbie Wrist. (laughs) 
say what I wanted to say Till she whispered I love you so That was fantastic. I, I love that song. And it's an amazing. I love that song. The, the first time I heard you sing it, I was blown away. I did not realize you were that talented. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, you know, it's one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm the best kept secret in show business. Well, there um, you go. <laughs> I'm a massive Raspberries fan. Massive Raspberries fan. Just, uh, I never understood why big star in the in the 80s you know why mm-hmm. big star got all the accolades when the raspberries were superior songwriters on on uh, on every level just eric carmen's a genius now you also you know going back to these iconic moments in in pop culture history you were ted baxter's son on mary tyler moore's show that is yeah unbelievable Again, i get to i got to i mean i only did like three or four episodes it wasn't a whole lot but mm-hmm. I did, I was in the room for what is arguably one of the best last episodes of a show ever. Wow. The last episode of Mary Tyler Moore is so heartbreakingly, hilariously beautiful. And to be in the room with it, you know, you watch it now and it, you know, it's, I don't know if you've seen it lately, but it has, uh, it still has resonance. Mm-hmm. And the, to, to be in the room as I'm watching the cast members go out the door for that last scene and they're all crying and then the director yells cut 
and the audience is applauding and I look at all the guys on the crew, the cameramen and the microphone guys and all that, and they're crying. I look up into the lights where the grips are, they're crying. I turn around and look at the audience, they're crying. Wow. It was, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. It was, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a moment that I'm like, I don't think when you're 11 or 12, you go, I should remember this. Yeah. But, uh, but I kind of went, I should remember this. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. You also were on three episodes of The Bionic Woman. Big yep. crush on Lindsay Wagner, you know. You, I think you and I are the same person. Yeah, yeah. Well, how can you not have a crush on I know, right? She was amazing. And oh, the episode where she becomes the bionic woman when it was still the $6 million man. Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord. I even managed to like it in spite of the fact that Steve Austin sang. (laughs) It's been fun. Lots of laughs. Jamie. It always is when friends meet again. But lately it's gone flat. For me, Jamie, I don't like seeing you now and then. Our friendship is finished, that's true. But there's hope, a way to make it through. Because, sweet Jamie, I love you. I never want to say goodbye to you. Sweet Jamie, I'll love you forever I know we'll never part I love you like I've loved no other Make room for me in your heart Yeah, you're on point there. That's that's something we haven't. Uh, that is a scary part of pop culture we have not yet uncovered. We want to do an entire episode of oh, yes. stars who sang. And, oh, that uh, would be amazing. Oh yeah, we're well, definitely I mean, it's going still to do going that. on, but they're getting better. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Scott Baio just he fucked it up for everybody. He <laughs> had to be so terrible. He had to be so terrible that for years afterward. I, as a guy who spent his entire life trying to get good at music, had a hell of a time getting a record deal because it'll be like, oh, yeah, kid actor wants to make a record. I'm like, it's not my fault. I'm actually good. <laughs> Spayo sucks. Wow. Yeah. There's something magic in the way you hold me in your eyes. No one ever warned me love just takes you by. Don't know what's coming over me You got me hypnotized When you look at me
at me. It's really sad that I know the theme from Joni Lascacci. But anyway, <laughs> so sad. Wow. It's. I loved it. I would like to hear something from Sharknado. What would you like us to play okay, from Sharknado? In that case, uh, why don't we do from, we'll do two things. From last, do the ballad of Sharknado. <laughs> okay. And you, there's a little intro that's the one on, on, uh, on YouTube. But, uh, you know, it's just a quick uh, little minute long thing that he has an actress do that's very funny. Excellent. Well, here it is. Okay, yeah, so this is the theme song. The first thing we wrote for the first movie was he said, I want to, we can't afford the Ramones, so can we do a Ramonesy song? And I went, Ramonesy song? That's my baby food. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take it away. And what's the name of it? The Ballad of Sharknado. The Ballad of Sharknado, right here on Pop. Two words that should not be in the same sentence Ballad <laughs> and Sharknado. It's so awesome. <laughs> Hey, it works, it works. It does. Hello, I'm Annette McDougall for the Pop Show Network. Here live from Hollywood Boulevard, minutes before the world is about to end. Fear, rage, panic, paranoia, and $20 baptisms offered on Sunset Boulevard are going to do nothing to change our fate. Yes, we're all going to die. We're all going to die in a sh- And you were also on Battlestar Galactica, 1980. Ah, uh, yes. I now I'm a fan of the original Battlestar Galactica. I mean, uh -huh. a big fan of the original Battlestar Galactica. I collected all of the uh, magazine articles before it was coming out. I was just like, this is gonna be amazing, and it was, and I really dug it. And then I was on Galactica, 1980, and it turns out I was on the crappy one. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you were still on Battlestar Galactica. That's cool. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm super proud of it, even though I am on the crappy one. Because really, what is Battlestar Galactica but Wagon Train in space? Yeah. And the idea behind Wagon Train was that they never reach their destination because that's not what the show was about. Right. And so, Battlestar Galactica, they find Earth. Now what? Yeah. They, They did the... I, I, I forget what show it was. I think it was Pushing Daisies. Mm-hmm. I believe I remember reading a review like, they're three episodes in, and I think they've written themselves into a corner. Yeah. And I went, that's exactly what they did with Battlestar Galactica 1980. Absolutely. <laughs> you were also on Chips. I should, I should be a goddamn TV executive. What? <laughs> <laughs> you were also no, on you know Chips. What? You know why I shouldn't be a TV executive? Okay. Because uh, my choice for what should have been show... Uh, it should have still been on the air was Police Squad. Lasted six episodes, gone. This is the story of my life. When things were rotten, I felt like that show should have just run and run and run. Oh, I, was that like the Naked Gun spinoff series? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, the Naked Gun movies were a spinoff of the uh, show. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. the show. Yeah, that show was hilarious. But oh my when, gosh. When things were rotten, that's a show that might do a lot better today. Like, that's a concept that didn't find its time and audience. What, but Robin Hood? Yeah, but but I think the snarkiness of it all and you know yeah, like maybe. and you know Mel Brooks basically hit that, right? Yeah, yeah, that was his. So, it all works out. But oh, yeah. uh yeah. Well, I mean eventually he did the Robin Hood story as Men in Tights, but uh Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, but all of my shows, everything that I like just gets canceled. Movies that I like go away fast. Actually, here's here's how bad it is. I have a I have a friend who is a manager for bands. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And uh, among them, uh, I mean, he's got like Fallout Boy. I mean, he's got like, real people, right? Right. And uh, and uh, at the, uh, a few years ago, he invited me to a show. He goes, "There's a band I'm thinking of signing, and I think you'd like it. I'm just curious to see what your opinion of them is." Mm-hmm. And uh, the band was called Foxy Shazam. They're from Cincinnati. You <sighs> should look them up. They're quite good. So they're, they're, they, they're they excellent. Their show. They finished their show. My friend goes, uh, "So what'd you think?" And I go, "Well, I highly suggest." if you want to stay in good standing in the industry that you're working in, that you not sign them because I love them, which means your career would be over. <laughs> I love them. I know. I thought it was terrific. Best lead singer I've seen in the last 20 years. Just amazing. What are yeah. they called? Foxy, Foxy Shazam. Shazam. And you know them, Ken? Yeah, I, I, I have their albums. Yes. Oh, Wow. Yeah, yeah, they have a they have a song called "Oh Lord" that is just one of the most epically wonderful big pop songs I've ever heard. It's great. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Is there a, is and I, do you want to you want to play a little of that right now? Yeah, yeah, sure. Play a little bit of "Oh Lord." So good. All right. That was Foxy Shazam. Oh, I, I'm, Eric Nally, best lead singer of the last 20 years. Guy's unbelievably energetic and fun and hilarious, and he can sing his butt off. Yeah. 
they remind me a lot of uh, Queen in some ways, but with like this really radical sense of humor. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There, there's a little Queen, little sparks. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then yeah, I agree with you completely. And then there's definitely a punk rock thing going on. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I had never seen them. I'm just watching it right now. This is epic. This is just amazing. I'm already addicted, <laughs> and I've seen three seconds. Yeah, he's really great. This guy's another- amazing. Yeah, he really is. He really is a terrific lead singer. I've seen him a few times now, and he never disappoints. At the Troubadour, he swung down from the lighting tree. It was just <laughs> yeah. Well, Robbie, we need to have you come back and do an all Foxy Shazam segment with us. We'll do an all Foxy Shazam show, and then I'm going to be on a Kiss show. Just, look, why don't we just, the three of us, just start our own show? <laughs> we already have it. You're here, you know, so yeah, let's do so. this. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Now, one one last thing I'll mention as far as pop culture. You were on Chips. Yeah, I did three of them, four of them. That's, this is just craziness to me. See, I grew ah. up in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. You know what I'm saying? What, by the way, what is this nowhere, Ohio you speak of? So it was Andover, Ohio. It was like 50 miles outside of Cleveland. It was okay. a lake community. Right. Uh, so it's further out than Elyria, uh, yeah. north, south, east, west. Okay. It's it's actually on the PA Ohio line. And, okay. I know you doing. know, we we were in the shadow of WMMS and all the cool stuff. And, sure. uh, the buzzard. The buzzard. Wow. How do you know the buzzard? Because I was in a band with a guy from Cleveland named Paul Pope. Oh. He used to be in a... He used to be in a local group called Mulkey Cole that were big in the 70s. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I ended up in his band. And so I did that sort of tour route from Cleveland to Buffalo with him for a couple of years. Mm. So I, I know I know more about Cleveland than I probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? And, uh, no, I love Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know what it's like now, but I had, I had two of the greatest summers I ever had in Cleveland. Wow. Yeah. I always loved living right there on the edge of things because you could get to Pittsburgh fast, you could get to Cleveland fast, you get to Erie fast, you get to Youngstown fast. It was like this that whole little area, hub. That whole area of the world, no wonder like so many good bands come from like that area mm-hmm. because it's so easy to tour around. Yes. Like Los Angeles, to get out of Los Angeles, you have to cross a desert on every <laughs> side. It's true. Yeah. It's like, this remote, it's like this remote outpost in space, you know? I think that's why a lot of great comedians come from the Midwest because sure. Minneapolis has like a ton of great comedians because they could they could cut their teeth, they could get to every club a lot easier. Right, totally. I'd like you to play another song for me. Sure. And it is you covering Is She Really Going Out With Him, the great Joe Jackson song. And yeah. you'll be joined by Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith. Who, yeah, were, yeah, who were yeah, on those, the show yeah, a few episodes Thank God ago. those two are bereft of any talent or anything, right? Oh, God, so talented. I are amazing. We love them Dear so Christian much. Is, Christian's far and away the best musician I've ever met. He, oh, wow. he just awesome. He's just unbelievably, he's, he, he has a facility. I mean, he can just hear it and do it. He mm-hmm. can think it and do it. I, I, I mean, on a certain level, I kind of detest him. <laughs> <laughs> like like Amadeus and Salieri, that kind of yeah, thing. totally. I'm totally scary. I'm trying to get over there, you know. Write this. Yeah, you look sick here. <laughs> and you do a lot of cool stuff with them occasionally, and I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Christian and I is another guy. Christian, I was in a band called Wonder Boy mm-hmm. uh, as the '80s turned to the '90s, and uh, he produced a bunch of songs for us, and we've been friends ever since. Wow. Yeah, well, it's, he's a really great guy. And Cersei's delightful. 
Cool. Yes, she is. Oh, I love and her voice. Fantastic yeah, voice. Well, let's take it away. Is she really going out with him? The Joe Jackson song by Robbie Rist and Friends. A one, two, three, go. very cool off the cuff i, I know yeah. i put you here uh under pressure you know <laughs> i listened to it 
I really dig that you guys are just sitting around a kitchen table and getting that kind of sound. You know, it reminds, oh, yeah. I love that about I love that about LA where you could just like go to your friend's house and make a great video like this and make a great Well, it's getting I think it's getting you know everything that's great cuts both ways. Mm -hmm. Television is amazing, but also it's chewing gum for the eyes, you know? Okay, so right. in that respect, the way the world is now, it's it's so much easier if you want to spend the time to make art and, and share it with people. So what are you working on now? I know you've, you've done TV, you've done movies, you, you, you've even produced albums for people. You've been yeah. in several bands. Yeah. What's up? with Robbie Rist in 2017. Well, okay, finish up what I guess is going to be the final year of Doc McStuffins. I had a voice in the movie Valerian that was just out. Yes. And uh, and I'm a big Luc Besson fan. I was I've learned uh, the one thing that I have learned that I think is of paramount importance in the entertainment business is that I should never meet my heroes because <laughs> this sort of, you know, fired out of a cannon thing you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. to complete strangers who are just trying to get a little work done with me. I think it's a little off putting. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Valerian got that. I'm uh, trying to get a record out after the first of the year of, of stuff of mine. I'm, I've sort of, I'm, I'm going to be releasing everything from now on under this name Ballsy Tomorrow. So okay. we'll, uh, uh, that's coming out toward the end of the year. I'm uh, producing, uh, I'm, well, trying to get off the ground a record with Duncan Fora, who's uh, the lead singer of the Bay City Rollers. I'm trying to get oh, that's a... that's cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm trying to get a, a solo record off the ground for... There was a band in the in the early 80s when we had the whole Americana explosion here. They were called the Rave Ups. And uh, so Jimmer... Uh, the Rave Ups are in Pretty in Pink. They're the prom band at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so Jimmer... The singer, uh, I'm doing a record with, uh, hopefully doing a record with him shortly as well. And uh, and then I'm, you know, I'm trying to clear my house out because, uh, you know, my fiance is going to be moving in and you can't live here like this. I live like an animal. And uh, <laughs> and so I got to do that, you know. So uh, I think that's all of it. And then, you know, I'm just trying to get work. Mostly what I try to do is just keep the lights on. You work a ton. I think it's, gr I think it's great. I mean, this business, you know, it... It has its ups and downs. I know as a writer and producer of terrible television that, uh -huh. you know, there's like downs, like, you know, and I think it's, I think. Well, I, Courtney, I, Courtney yeah. you don't, you don't get out of it that easily. Terrible television. Well, hidden camera. I mean, are they like haunting shows or? No, 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 no. It's just, I, I always say that because I'm just self-deprecating, but actually I write for very funny and fun shows. Oh, cool. Yeah. Game shows and hidden camera shows. And, and then like those times in between. I mean, I wish I had that. I mean, I, w I also do stand-up, but I don't tour as much as I did. But I think that that was something important that you said earlier about that in-between. You're in bands, you're recording, you're making music. It's also incredibly creative, you know, and I think that people don't understand that in L.A., if you're in this business, you have to be able to be good at, like, four or five things. Yeah, somebody to told me a long time ago, don't specialize. No, you have to keep... You know, you have to be able to do all these things to keep yourself working all the time. And I think that's great that you do these things and you're very good at all of them. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's uh, important for the for the listeners to know that, like, how difficult that is and that you do that. Oh, I, I tell uh, when 
you know, because I get people that want to, you know, they want to get into show business. And they want to ask me how, and you know, consulting is another one of my little things I do. Yeah. And uh, and one of the things I always say is, to being an being an astronaut and being an artist are not dissimilar. In that, um, have you ever been on the vomit comet, or do you know what it is? No. The vomit comet is the plane that they train astronauts how to be weightless in. Oh yeah. So so it goes almost up to space and then they tilt the nose of the plane back down at the earth and they go as fast as they can and everybody in the plane becomes weightless for a while. Um, by the way, there's a really great OK Go clip where they did a video in that plane. Mm -hmm. Wow. All done in one take, really amazing. But anyway, so the vomit comet, from what I understand, if you're weightless, weightlessness feels like you're falling all of the time. Mm, and so, so as an astronaut, you have to not only embrace that feeling, but you have to kind of be in love with it. Because if you're working on the Hubble telescope up there and all you can think of is, oh God, I'm falling. <laughs> you're not gonna get a lot of work done up there. So with an artist, it's the same thing. So much of our life is free fall. Mm -hmm. And and you're not always working, and you're you know uh, we're like carnivores. You know carnivores spend more time hunting than eating, and so you have to embrace the fact that there are going to be times where you're like, all right, there's nothing going on. How am I going to fill this up? Mm -hmm. And so you know, learn an instrument, do some stand up, join an improv group, <laughs> start paint, a podcast with Ken Mills, start a podcast, whatever. It's true. Yeah. Just the thing is, it's a muscle. And you have to work the muscle all the time or else it will atrophy. Mm -hmm. So so get out there and, and and I don't care what level you think you are at. So many people I know, you know, will be talking about entertainment or whatever, you know, and they're, you know, for want of a better word, civilians. Right. And, and they'll be like, you know, man, you do all of these things. And I'm like, well, do you play an instrument? Why well, play some piano? Well, why, aren't you, why don't you do it in front of people? Oh, I can't play in front of people. Why not? Uh, the worst thing you'll be is terrible. And there's been so much terrible through history now, nobody's going to notice. So just make stuff and don't care. Mm -hmm. Because they, we've they, already they, sat through Scott Baio. That we all, Scott Baio's out there. He's already done the damage. <laughs> <laughs> he paved the way. <laughs> he paved the way for suckitude across the board. Well, I guess Scott won't be joining us Thursday. I had him penciled in, but... Uh, you know what? I, if he does, I'll call in, and I'd love to have a music discussion with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robbie, you are a delight, sir. Um, <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite songs. This has nothing to do with your resume or what you've got going on. This is just something I love. Harry Gross put out a song about a, a dog. Song record. Oh yeah, and it was it was such an amazing song. It was, it's Shannon. It's a Do beloved you know classic. As a matter of fact, the Beach Boys are singing backup on that song. Do you know what the song was about? No. Whose dog was it? Carl Wilson's dog. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So apparently, Carl Wilson's dog went for a swim and didn't come back. And, uh, and, and the Beach Boys are actually singing on the, on the, on the song itself, on Shannon. Ooh, that's mm -hmm. eerie. Didn't Dennis drown? Uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, they are the Beach Boys. They're I near know. the water. I There's know. There's got to be an accident. I know, but 
two times. That's kind of that's sort of yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah very much. Right. Now, Kennedy's. by the way, Shannon, I have a uh, I, for years, uh, about five years, I had a sort of half seventies song review, half live band karaoke thing. We mm-hmm. called it KTEL Fridays or Thursdays, depending on the day that it was there. And I, the main reason I, I made everything about the 70s was the 70s was the last time where artists guilelessly didn't care if they were being silly or not. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and by silly, I don't necessarily mean funny, but you do have Junk Food Junkie and you have Pina Colada song and you have mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But you also have dead everything. There's dead teenagers. Run, Joey, run. One of my top five favorite songs in history is about a guy who goes over to his underage girlfriend's house in the middle of the night <laughs> because her father has found out that they did it. And he and she says on the phone that dad's got a gun. Of course, Joey is stupid enough to go over there. I'd be like, wow, bummer. Have a good time with your dad. Bye. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, I'll get another girlfriend. Um, but the... Uh, but so he goes over there and the father goes to shoot him and kills his own daughter. Mm-hmm. Oops. I mean, run Joey run is one of the, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a Wagnerian opera in three minutes. It's just unbelievable. And, and, and I mean, uh, the, the night the lights went out in Georgia, it's a, it's a charnel house. There's bodies everywhere in that thing. There are no songs about that on the radio now. Yeah. I, I used that to was call the last st- time where you could, where you could just go, I don't know. Here's a song about a dead ghost horse. Yeah. And then that would be it. She'll be calling wildfire. I used to call yeah. them story songs. Yeah, yeah sure. You know. But like, like, like uh, spiders and snakes. Mm-hmm. No spiders and snakes today. Sorry. Everything is, I'm going to do you and, you know, come ride in my car that's very expensive. Although Pumped and, Up and, Kicks had and, this and, kind of fucked up. And it's, uh, what? Pumped Up Kicks was kind of fucked up. Well, well, what's that? Foster the people. That song. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, what about things get a little easier once you understand? Look it up. It's a. It's this song where that 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 phrase just gets sung and sung over over a dialogue of people going, you know, uh, knock knock knock. Uh, Mrs. Johnson, uh, we. Uh, uh, if this is about your son. Uh, he had a drug overdose. No. Things get a little easier. It's Whoa. amazing called Think. The band is called Think. Ah, there you go. Things get a little easier once you understand. Things get a little easier. I'll be expecting you to get a haircut by Friday. Forget it, Dad. That won't change anything. Forget nothing. You'll do as I say as long as you're living in my house. Things get a little easier once you understand. He knows I'm not feeling well, and yet he doesn't take one second out to help his mother. His only concern is for himself. Come on, Ma, what do you want from me? Don't argue with your mother. Just shut up and listen. But Mom, all my friends will be there. I said no, you can't go. But why? I don't want you in that neighborhood. Why? What's wrong with that neighborhood? I don't like the kind of people living there. What's wrong with them? Never mind. Someday you'll thank me. Are you sure no one kept you company tonight while you were babysitting? 
What's Doc supposed to mean? Just curious. Admit it, Mom. You don't trust me. Where are you going now? To my friend's house. Don't you have things to do in the house? Don't you have any homework? Why don't you sit down and read a book? Oh, Mom. Don't know, Mom. You're wasting your life away with foolish things. What are you talking about? How about your bridge club and your ladies' groups and your parties and your daytime programs? What about all that? That's different. Ma, I'll be home at 11. You'd better be home at 10. Or don't bother to come home at all. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, helping to pay for the food and the rent. I don't understand. What's that got to do with me? If you can't figure that out for yourself, you're stupid. Hey, Dad, did you see my new guitar? I joined a group. Son, there's a little bit more to life than joining a group, playing a guitar. Yeah, Dad? What is there to like? son named Robert, Robert Cook, age 17? Yes. I'm sorry, Mr. Cook. You better come down to the station house. Your son is dead. Dead? How? He died of an overdose. Oh, my God. Things get a little easier once you understand. Things get a little easier once you understand. Things get a little easier once you understand. Oh, yeah. Once you understand, things get a little easier by think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and listen to it. It's so, I mean, wh- I mean, it's 60s now, but again, if you go back a little further, but that's the great thing about the 70s. No idea too stupid. A song about a dog that drowned. Okay. Yeah. We'll put that in the hopper. That'll be good. Do you know about Teddy Bear? No. Teddy Bear is Al- a, no, Teddy Bear is a song about a little kid who, uh, it's, a, it's in the trucking song tradition and it's about a little kid who uh, is sick and he's always talking to the truckers on his CB and- oh. The kid said, says, you know, one day I want to see a line of trucks that disappears into the horizon or whatever the words are. Yeah. And the kid dies. Yeah. I and remember the next this. day, all of these trucks line up in front of his house. So beautiful. So good. Yeah. That's oh, cool. oh, it is. It, I, you know, uh, I, I, I believe that our, and I'm not a metaphysical guy, but I really believe that our, our spirituality is so far out or is so far behind our, our, our technicality mm-hmm. that People are, I, I believe, largely we're too afraid to feel vulnerable for that sort of cheesy melancholy. That would make a good TV movie, and I'm not trying to be funny. Like, that would be a good Lifetime movie 
story and they like that's the ending like the trucker, oh yeah yeah sure you know oh yeah just make a movie trucker. out of that they made a movie out of convoy yeah. right absolutely well this song meant a lot to me because i had a dog named barney that was similar to the dog in the song right Mm-hmm. And I I cried and cried when when Barney got hit by 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 a truck, you know. And every time I hear that song, I cry. And I had a dog in a previous marriage, and you know, like you separate the dogs. And you, my my ex wife kept a dog, and it, her name was Shannon. So it got even mm-hmm. worse. And it used mm-hmm. to be like any time that song would come on like any woman I was married to or a girlfriend or whatever, they just turn that off right now because they knew that within moments <laughs> I would be in tears singing in a really bad falsetto along oh, with the I, song. Um, you know, but that's a beautiful thing. It that, is. They should, they should love you for that. Absolutely. They should love you for the fact that you're willing to be that emotionally vulnerable that just something as simple as a song strips away all of your bravado. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird time that we live in where it's all about being tough. Yeah. You know? Well, pick up that guitar, brother, and please. Oh, yeah. Let's all cry. Let's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sob quietly. Courtney, hold my hand during this, okay? Okay. I'll get the tissues. Robbie Wrist with the 70s classic, Shannon.
just you and me too? It's such a beautiful I don't know how you made I don't know how you made it through that. I'm a professional. <laughs> You're a professional, you are. God bless you, Robbie Riss. Actually, um, you know, there's a there's a Ben Fold song called The Luckiest. It's probably, yes. in my opinion, the most beautiful maybe the most beautiful love song I've ever heard. Oh wow. Um, and I've heard a lot, but it real but I, I you know, I had to learn it for a for a wedding. And the last verse broke me up so much. It took me about an hour to get through it without crying. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, but that's, you know, I don't know. That's what art should do. Right. Art should crack you open. Yeah. In, what, in whatever form. If it makes you angry or if it makes you happy, sad, whatever it is, you know, it, it, it whatever the thing is, it should crack you open. I can't get through Italian Plastic by Crowded House because Paul Hester sings it and he... Took, oh yeah, took his life, you know, yeah. and yeah. I can't can't get when it comes on my iPod and I'm driving, I have to skip it because I I'm driving and I have to be cautious of the road. You know, whenever and not have whenever a moment. A, I'm a ridiculous Freddie Mercury fan, and every time a, any Queen song comes oh. on, let alone one that really has resonance for me, mm-hmm. there's a little part of me that always goes, damn it. Yeah. You know, know. And that was we uh, that was the biggest cheat of all time, like. Oh, Freddie Mercury. He's my favorite yeah. frontman of all time, it, of any band, anyone. Yeah. Unbelievably great. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. We're all, like, taking the moment. Already. I mean, what do you say, Freddie Mercury? Yeah, yeah. no, but the, the, I think it's, you know, our generation, and, you know, I'll say five years below me and five years above me. I'm 53. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that our generation was lucky in a way, because a lot of our really big heroes showed us that we were mortal very early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, where I think there might have been generations before, or even generations now, where death might be, uh, you know, I mean, you know, everybody, everybody survives now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it seems like, like, you know, losing in the, you know, in the, the TV generation, in the information age generation, you know, I mean, we lost Lennon, we lost, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, go back further, Janis Joplin and, and the Doors guy and, you know, yep. uh, all of these, uh, all of these people that died terribly, terribly young. And it's not just a couple, you know what I no. mean? It's, it's a lot. And, and, you know, I mean, even, I guess even for, well, for me, uh, it was kind of weird when Adrock died. Because yeah. I was like, he was two years oh, yeah. younger than me, but but it, it definitely, I think it, it it I think we're more prepared for things like as we're entering the phase where we're going to be going to a lot more funerals than weddings, and Ouch. I think uh, because of the experiences that I've definitely had having to do with art and stuff, it's it's sort of like. Yeah, it's 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 both. Now I can see someone dying as both a celebratory and sad thing. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's something that I call our generation the melancholy generation, and I part of that is because of the seventies. If you like, Shannon is a perfect example of a song that the level of melancholy in that song is off the charts amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's overpowering. And, and I don't. I don't really hear a lot of that now. I don't no. hear that as, as a button to push. And I think if you look at, go through all of those songs, Rainy Days and Mondays Always Get Me Down, 
Uh, go through the 70s. There's an awful lot of melancholy. As a matter of fact, I mentioned this earlier. Sid and Marty Croft. Look at all of their, as 69 turns into 70 and beyond. Mm -hmm. We have H.R. Puffin stuff, Lidsville, and, and Land of the Lost. And okay, so these shows are written and created by young people. So picture, if you will, it's the end of the 60s. The man has all but squashed the voice of young people, the man in upended commons. Um, there's a whole bunch of disillusioned kids that are just graduating college, and some of them are going to go into entertainment. And they tell you in art to write what you know. Well, if you will notice, H.R. Puffin stuff, Lidsville, Land of the Lost, uh, a few others are about children that can't go home. And that does not, that's nowhere to be seen now. Right. But all of those shows are about children that can't go home. So we grew up every week watching these shows that are actually layered thick with melancholy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's dressed up in sort of psychedelic color, colors and weirdness. And I, I, I think that's our, that's our legacy. That's, that, that's, that's what we left. That's what we will leave behind is that we were more melancholy than everybody else. Shannon has another huge distinction. And this is the song that Casey Kasem flipped out about. Oh, is it really? Is it the goddamn death dedication? Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. it. That's amazing. Yeah, well, sure. I'm going to play uh, a little like bit said, of that right now. Yeah. We're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. This is a god, last goddamn time. I want somebody who uses fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. Casey, wow. Yeah, you know, I love all those little bits of audio. Yeah, I me love too. all. I love the Shatner. Don't tell me how to say it. It sickens me. <laughs> Sabotage. Sabotage. <laughs> all of those things are so. Good. I mean, yeah. What's his? Yeah. If you can, if you can show me a way that I can start a sentence with the word "is," I will go down on you. <laughs> so, well, so good. Shut up, little man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear "Shut up, little man," Ken? Yes, yes. It's so funny. We need to do an episode on audio meltdowns. Oh yeah, sure. Well, Robbie, I, I hate to keep you any longer, but you were just a wealth of entertainment <laughs> and joy 
and music and a lot of the stuff that make up pop culture and how fun it is. And a, and a lot of not shutting up. Well, that's okay. You no, know, that's <laughs> you're the guest. You're supposed okay. to be talking. There are oh, some okay. people that we book for podcasts and they sit there and shake their head. And I say, we, do we need to yeah. put a bell around your neck? Come yeah. on. Hello, this is radio. Line, Come on. People. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Mime is money. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, mime is Billy Crystal. Yeah. Great stuff. Robbie, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I hope thank this will not me. be your last appearance. No, 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 no. Not, I mean, yeah. if that's up to you, I guess. No, we yeah. have more stuff to cover. You you basically, I mean, you mentioned, I, and I love this and I love that, which we're thinking, like, Ken is a total Trekkie. We're both KISS fans. Like, you mentioned yeah, a bunch sure. of things that we were like, yes, yes, yes. Like, yeah. so, Definitely. please come well, back. Uh, but, but please, uh, before we go, since Sharknado 5 is out, uh, just have everybody look on iTunes. We're trying to sort of like, you know, get at least get more awareness for the, the song part of this. So, or at least I am because, you know, that's the only way I'm getting paid. So uh, uh, by all means, uh, you, the band is called Quint. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado and myself. But uh, just do a Google search for me. There's all kinds of things. I got a band camp out there. I got a Reverb Nation site. I got my Facebook page. Come find me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you know, whatever. Just And I'm, you know, I'm available. I talk to people, whatever. You're very down to earth, but crazy at the same time. You're out there, brother, yeah, just like yeah. me. You and I on a show together, it's uh, two, two huge big mouths, and it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Seriously, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Seriously. Anytime. Thank and you, and we're going, Courtney, let's make him an honorary pop head. Oh, done. Done. And let's I, I, go out I, I, on one of the Quint songs. Which one should we go out on, Robbie? Oh, uh, we should go out on, uh, okay, so Olivia Newton-John is one of the guests in Sharknado 5 this time around. And uh, she, uh, we wrote a song for her, uh, but she got ill just after shooting. She, mm-hmm. I think she's getting better, but she had gotten, uh, I think cancer kind of came back. Yeah. And so we couldn't get her in the studio. But so our friend Susie Rose Major, who's uh, been helping us out on these songs wherever we need a female voice for the last five movies or so, uh, she stepped in at the last minute and, and, and fixed it. So uh, this is called Brand New You. Ah. Well, here we are, Quint. From yeah, and picture of Olivia Newton-John singing it. Okay. Excellent. Well, as we leave this episode of Pop, we want you to to catch us on the next episode. But before we go, let's listen to Quint with what's the name of the song? Brand new you. Brand new you. Thank you, Robbie. We will Thank see you. you on a future Pop. Bye. Bye. Bye.
And that's our show. Pop is an online, nonprofit pop culture audio fanzine made for fans by fans. Any samples of music, TV, or movies heard here remain the property of their owners. Pop, a pop culture podcast, is not affiliated with any products we review or discuss. Opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of the pop staff. If you like something that you heard, buy it at your local record, video, or bookstores, or wherever pop is found. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying whatever you do, make sure it pops. Say goodnight, Dick. Hey, Popheads. We know you love the hottest pop culture podcast, Pop. Now tell the world. Get your own pop swag, t-shirts, miniskirts, mugs, tote bags, and more at redbubble.com. Just search for Designs by Ken, all one word. And remember, you can get your own free pop button from Christine the Button Queen. Simply pay $3 shipping and handling for each button via PayPal at zilchorders at gmail.com. Find us on the web at poppodcast.blogspot.com, on iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast and like us on Twitter at popstafftweets.